Hi, welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram at You the Mother, and be sure to check out youthemother.com where you can reach out to work with me one-on-one or sign up for my group coaching. In this week's episode, I am so excited to be welcoming on Dr. Trish Hutchinson. Dr. Trish is a pediatrician, national recognized health educator, and author. Dr. Trish is the co-founder and chief medical officer of Girlology, a leading wellness app supporting girls and caregivers with personalized on-demand health resources that guide them through puberty and adolescence with confidence. She has authored books for youth on puberty and sexual development, Her most recent publication is a puberty guide for everybody, published by the American Academy of of Pediatrics. She is also the co-founder of the Period Education Project, a national nonprofit that trains medical students to deliver menstrual health education to under-resourced communities. Dr. Trish has over 30 years of clinical practice and currently works in college health. This keeps her up to date on issues that kids face daily, including her own two college-age daughters. In this episode, we talk all about navigating puberty for both our young boys and girls. We talk about how to have some of these conversations with our kids, different changes that they go through, and really gaining insight into puberty. You can find Dr. Trish over on girlology.com or over on Instagram at Girlology or Dr.Trish.Hutchison. Dr. Trish also has a free puberty prep for proactive parents ebook, which I will be linking in the description of this podcast. So make sure that you go give Dr. Trisha a follow. She is an amazing resource, and this conversation was so, so important. So I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Dr. Trish, welcome to you, the Mother Podcast. I am so excited to be having this conversation with you today. I know puberty is one that maybe a lot of parents are a little scared about, don't know how to um, come about certain topics with their kids. So I'm really excited to pick your brain. But first, tell me, listeners, a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm thrilled to be here too, because I always love going through puberty. And so this is going to be fun for all of us, I promise. So um, I'm a pediatrician and I am co-founder of Girlology, which is uh, a digital health platform designed to help every girl feel more confident and less anxious about their changing body and mind. But as a pediatrician, I recognize that puberty periods, uh, even correct anatomical terms, reproductive health issues, mental health issues... These aren't easy topics for parents or kids. So that's why we initially created Girlology because we wanted to provide, you know, our own patients with medically accurate information outside of that 15 minute well visit. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also wanted to provide parents with support to help them improve that parent child connect connectedness and communication because it really does help reduce the silence in the house, misinformation and stigma around these topics. Yeah, I totally agree. So much stigma around some of these topics. Um, Dr. Trish, can you kind of tell us, I guess, like when does puberty begin for our young girls? Great question. So do you want me to talk about girls and guys or just girls? Yeah, today? maybe, maybe let's do both. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy to do both. Perfect. Um, so girls start puberty anywhere between the ages of eight and 12. And that's a little earlier than just three decades ago. So a lot of people get really panicked about that eight. Yeah. Um, and it is early. So that means we as parents need to have these conversations early. And I know we'll touch on that in just a minute. Um, and our males go through puberty anywhere between the ages of nine and 14. So they're a little bit later than the females. Yeah. And so I guess like, when should we be having some of these conversations? And I'm kind of uh like grinding my teeth right now a little bit but some of these conversations in schools aren't happening until fifth sixth grade yes and, and guess how many people are going to miss out right right so if we're you know, just like putting it in the hands of our education system we cannot things are really scary Yes. Yeah. As parents, we have to change the culture of this education. We have to take it back into the home and any repetition is awesome, right? right? right. So if they hear it from you and then hear it again from school, that's fine. As long as it's the same message that you're teaching at home. But the first thing I want parents to do is I want them to think about their own puberty talk journey. Yes. Um, because if it was negative or dirty or gross or all these stigmas, then you've got to flip and pivot to make this a more positive experience for your kids. So mm -hmm. really sit down and think about how you want this puberty experience to be for your own kids and how it may need to be different from your own before you start these topics. Yeah. So that's the most important step. Yeah. My mom gave me the book, the Judy Bloom book. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. <sighs> Yeah. And that's, that's everybody's that's how I learned about periods. I'm like, what? I don't I look back at this like this is insanity. Yes, you know? a fictional book. Right. And I, I will write on your journey as well. That's a, pretty much the same thing that I was also um a young had an older sister that had started her period, so I asked questions, yeah. but my mom answered them in very vague ways, which just piqued my curiosity even more. Um, but the other thing is you want to start as early as possible and it should happen if you have the opportunity. I'm not parent shaming anybody here. So if you haven't done these things already, it's never too late to have these conversations. But if you do have the opportunity and you have younger kids at home, please start with correct anatomical terms because this takes away that they're dirty or gross, right? So when you're doing eyes, ears, nose, mouth, we need to be doing vulvar, penis, vagina, buttocks, you know, all those right names. And this is really important for sexual abuse prevention yeah. um, because if kids know the right names for them and they understand that these are their private parts, um, it, it really does help kids disclose when something is happening that doesn't feel right for them. We just want kids to understand What's, why, why is that area private and mm -hmm. what those parts are all about? Mm -hmm. So that's really, really important. So if you're at home right now and you've been using the cutesy names, just ask for a do-over with your kids and just say, you know, I don't think I was using the right terms. So let's start calling this the penis. Let's start calling this your vulva, you know, that kind of stuff. Do-overs are always good when you have kids. Yep, yep. <laughs> We are a big uh, atomically correct family over here. Yes. And I think my preschool teachers are not always thrilled. <laughs> they panic when the kids come like, in and talk about um, their penis. So your daughter was talking about this today. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's what it's called. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, so I guess like when we're talking about puberty and some of these things starting as early as eight, nine, 10 years old, 
when should we be having some of these conversations then with our kids about some of the changes that their bodies are going to make, are going to go through and how do we have those conversations? Okay. So we, let's talk about girls. They started as early as eight, yeah. right? So we need to be talking about um, 85% of girls start puberty with breast buds. So we really need to start saying that your chest is going to start to change. And this is so important. I had a young lady in my office. I uh, was doing an exam and she was nine and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. And I found a breast bud and that's how breast development starts. It's like a hard little knot underneath a nipple. It can start on one side and not the other. So they get really nervous if they're not aware of what's happening and they can be sore and uncomfortable. And so I was examining her and I found her one breast bud and I was just like, yes, guess what? You started puberty. I was so excited. And she just started crying yeah. because her aunt had just gotten diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's all she's been hearing in her household. And so again, we want to take the anxiety away from our kids and help them understand the normal changes ahead so they can face it with more confidence. So it's really important. This puberty talk, just like the sex talk should not just be one at eight, Mm -hmm. you know, it needs to be short little snippets because you don't necessarily have to address period yet. I mean, you want to make sure they know about their breast buds, that they know about acne, that they know about, you know, body weight changes, all those kind of things. And and they can be just short snippets throughout because it's about a five year time period. So if you tell them at eight about their period, by the time they start, they might need a refresher. You You can definitely talk about it, but it's just little snippets and you can use your own bras and breasts. You can um, go by anywhere to start talking about it. And if you have noticed that your child has developed breast buds, please talk to them about it and just say, Hey, I noticed that you've got a little bump underneath, you know, on your chest. You want to talk about it? They would say no, mm-hmm. but just say perfectly normal. This is how we feed babies. Um, and some people are just really excited to go bra shopping too. Yeah. Maybe not with you, but you know, I think that'll even be my with, daughters. <laughs> yes, she'll be like, they're so cute. Yeah. I want one. Um, and so, you know, bras are a personal choice. Yeah. They may never want to wear one and they may want to wear one even when they don't have a breast butt. And I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. What about with boys? You feel like um, we're in like the thick of puberty with my oldest. He's a boy. And I agree with like the little snippets because. He started with hair and we kind of like, and body odor, you know, so we like kind of started there and then some other things were happening and so we had to have some other conversations, right? Um, but I'm curious, you know, kind of what you think about having conversations with our young boys. And your boys are at a very unfair advantage because 85% of girls start with breast buds. Boys start with testicular enlargement and we're not seeing their testicles as parents anymore. So you just don't know when they start puberty. Um, But you know, those testicles will start growing. They start secreting testosterone. Um, They'll start to have more erections. You know, they have erections since they were babies, as you know, but they just happen more often with this um, testosterone circulating through their body. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, they get acne, they get body odor. Um, Once they start a later part of puberty, they start making sperm. Once they start making sperm, they can have ejaculations and wet dreams and masturbation is part of it. I mean, and masturbation isn't just claimed by boys, girls masturbate too, but it seems to be talked about more with boys. Yep. Um, but yeah, they have all kinds of things going on too, but it's really hard to tell um, unless you're measuring those testicles when um, boys start puberty. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, are there conversations to be having with our boys when 
you know, um, erections, masturbation, how to kind of have some of these hard conversations that might be uncomfortable for parents. Yeah, this is a hard one. I mean, a lot of people can't even say masturbation, you know, much less talk to their kids about it. And I get it. I I get it. Um, But you need to talk about safe practices around masturbation. And and we have rules in girlology and guyology. And it's mainly that um, it's not a spectator sport. It's a private activity. It should happen in the bathroom or bedroom. Mm -hmm. Um, It should not take up all your free time, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That's very important. And it's really not popular dinnertime conversation. And if you take care of those three things, then it's going to be okay. I think a lot of us as parents, um, I know we're talking about puberty, not necessarily the sex talk, but we do need to introduce um, pleasure when we're talking about sex and body changes. You know, I mean, we go through puberty. So one day if we choose, we can have a baby and you know, that act of sex, the intimacy is how two people show they care for each other. Um, and so again, we have to think about our experience with our own sex education. Uh, if it was negative or dirty or gross, we need to think about how we want our kids um, to see sex mm-hmm. in a more positive, pleasurable way. And that can be a really difficult. I remember we told my kids, they're like, oh, you did that twice? Because I have two kids. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we did it a few more times than two, you know? So that brings on, that was one of my daughter, my other daughter's questions like, do I ever have to do that? And then that started a consent conversation. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yep. You know, you, you can have sex when and if you're ready to do that. Yeah. So Yeah, I think like my whole like puberty, sex, all of it was just very shame-based. Um, yes. And the conversation, like shift, I guess, that I've made with my kids is that it's just normal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, able to make that shift? it's just normal. And it just like doesn't even like phase anybody because it's just like, it's just normal. Yeah. There doesn't need to be and, like and- big emotions attached to it, I feel. <laughs> And was that shift hard for you? Because I think a lot of parents really have difficulty that had the shame and embarrassment wrapped around their conversations. Right. Um, I don't really feel like it was hard, but I feel like I felt pressure to get it right. Right. Mm. And so, um, so my son, there's like a big age gap between my first and my second. And so he was five when I got pregnant, maybe. Yeah. Five. And then he was six when she was born. Um, And so, you know, when it's like, oh, mom's pregnant, whatever. And then he's asking questions of how did that baby get in your belly? And I'm like, I wanted to always be honest, but you're five, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to explain this to a five-year-old. So I was like, give mom a minute and like Googling, (laughs) how do I talk about this to a five-year-old, right? And I wanted to be honest, but age appropriate. And so I felt right. like I was just very um, scientific about the egg and the sperm and how they come together. And then he was bored. And that's like where the that's conversation that's ended. I mean. Yeah. The conversation. So ended instead there. of brushing them off, yeah. you did awesome. Yeah. 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 But, so but the science know, is what we always say. Yeah. You know, they haven't sexualized it yet. No. We have. Right. right? right. And so it's, you can say it's the way puppies or kittens are born and they just think the science is so exciting. So the egg and the sperm, two little cells come together and make, but then when you talk about how the egg and the sperm get together, now that's a different story. You know, the actual penis vagina part is a little more difficult, but a lot of times you lose them by then, Right. you know, they're like, Oh, okay. Right. Right. So I know. Do you feel like, um, I do want to circle back on the period talk. So I think period talk, 
I think seems intimidating for me and I'm watching some of my friends go through this with their daughters and I'm a few years away from this with my daughters. Um, but there's just so many unknowns with periods, right? And so yeah. <laughs> my friend who's going through this with one of her daughters, it's like, so this is going to happen every month. And it's like, yeah, this is going to happen every month. Well, like, when will this happen? You're like, well, you just don't yeah. really know. Well, what product should I use? Well, whatever, like, works for you, right? And so it just feels so individual. And that seems yeah. more, that seems harder to me to navigate than kind of like what I'm going through with my son. <laughs> right. And, you know, the period talk, once again, we how we act about our period really falls upon our daughter. So if yeah. we act like it's a curse every month and it's miserable and it's negative, now we all know it's not rainbows and butterflies, but we should, again, watch how we talk about our periods because a lot of times um, kids mimic whatever mom is saying. So it's really important. But I think if you describe why we have a period, it, it makes it so positive. And, and that's a good way when you start to talk about periods. Uh, and when you talk about puberty, it's like hormones are going to your breast to develop breasts. You can feed your babies. Hormone also goes to the uterus. And what it does is the hormone causes this beautiful production of a nest inside the uterus. Because if a pregnancy occurs and is there, it has a safe, beautiful place to grow. Mm -hmm. And then if there's no pregnancy there, then all that comes back out as a period and then you know what? Your body does it again. So during puberty, it's just practicing. So when you're ready, your body is ready to help you grow that pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's like your body's able to make this sweet little safe place that can provide everything that that egg and sperm, when it comes together, what it needs. And that's a big miracle of what, um, what our bodies can do. And right. if you treat it like that, instead of, oh yeah, you can have blood coming through, you know, it's like it's this incredible miracle. Yeah. Um, and then product wise, things like that. If you can catch your daughter before she starts a period and never have a hands-on to touch pads and tampons and things like that, the last thing you want to do is hand the nurse hand her a pad at school and she's never touched one before, right? True. And so I think it's pretty cool. Let them open them up, feel the sticky side, put some water in there, see how much it holds, tell them exactly where it needs to go in their underwear. My oldest daughter, I thought, would know exactly what to do with a pad, but she wore it way too far up front, not underneath, you know, the vaginal opening and got blood all over her pants. I'm like, here I am. This is my job. <laughs> and my own daughter didn't do it right, right? So I think it's, it's, we still have to have these conversations with them and just let them play with them. Let them dip tampons in water um, and just kind of have a fun hands-on and they can decide which one they want to use. Yeah. I think that that's a really good idea because I had never seen any products before I started my period. Yeah. My mom was very and like secretive about her period. And your son should do hands-on. I think all kids should do hands-on because they're going to see them in your pocketbook or in yeah. some bathroom or somewhere. And, yeah. and that way it'll help them from not teasing and help them show more empathy when they do see mm -hmm. a girl carrying one to the bathroom or something. I think it's so important for all kids to learn about each other. Girls should learn about erections. Guys should learn about breasts and bras. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversations that need to have, not just with the sex that you're born at birth, but of all kids. Uh, and I do think that promotes communication and empathy down the road. I love that you bring that up because when my son went through his human sexuality class at school, they separate the boys and the girls, which I don't think is a bad thing, but then they didn't teach about the other person. 
And I thought that was a bad thing. (laughs) So I actually requested to buy the book that they were using so I could go through it and fill in any gaps or maybe make some corrections that I felt were necessary. Um, Good for you. Because think about the kids that moms or parents didn't do that, that, right? You know they have questions. Kids are naturally curious about their own body and about others. And what you just did, Abby, is you just, you made yourself the go-to person, right? right? So when he does have questions, he knows that you're open and available um, to answer those questions. So that's awesome. So any mom out there, definitely take the time um, to go over everything. Cause you know, as being the go-to person instead of Dr. Google or friends mm-hmm. is you're able to actually, um, weave in your family's beliefs and values about this as well. Right. So I think that's really important because you can't leave that up to schools or youth serving organizations or even churches. I mean, that's your belief value may be completely different. So I think it's, you just did an awesome job. Right. Right. We sent our kids to a, um, private school and it is faith-based Mm-hmm. And so I just do feel like there's a lot missing sometimes from the faith-based lens. And so I talked about, you know, why it's important to learn about this lens too, you know, and like, right. it's okay to have a faith-based lens, but you got to also have some other stuff going on. <laughs> I totally, and faith-based lens is usually abstinence. Yep. And I think that's a big um, it's hard for some kids because then they feel like if they do anything that they're dirty or Mm -hmm. they're messed up. And so if your kid gets that message in the school and you can call your school and ask them what curriculum they're using. And you did that, which I think is so awesome. And if they say abstinence or faith-based, then you as the parent needs to take over that comprehensive sex education part of it, because it's a lot more, it's healthy relationships, it's interpersonal violence, it's intimacy, it's gender. I mean, I could, there's like seven circles of sexuality that we really need to cover. And sometimes schools only cover the plumbing or the don't do it right. circle. Yes, yes, which is dangerous, I think. Yes. Um, so, and I think that like the abstinence isn't just for intercourse. <clears throat> They're also teaching that masturbation is wrong as well. And so I just so yes. wanted my children to know masturbation is healthy and normal. There's nothing the matter with you. Um, and that is parents, they need to define abstinence themselves, right? Mm Because we go straight to penis and vagina sex as abstinence, but oral, anal, uh, masturbation, all those kind of things, you need to define it yourself before you really start talking about it with your kids. Right, right, right. Um, do you feel like some of the sex conversation consent, um, all these kind of conversations, do they need to be taking place when we're having puberty talks? So you don't want to overwhelm your kid, right? But when you're having the puberty conversation, you can definitely talk about body autonomy and what touches, oh, don't say good or bad touch, because sometimes a bad touch can feel good. Yeah, um, true. So we just, yeah, we just have to be really careful about talking about what our private parts are and boundaries around our private parts, but also boundaries around other people's private parts. Like they should not be asked to see or touch somebody else's private parts in addition to not allowing somebody touch or see their private parts. So you can interweave some of these. Um, but I, you really, you know, your kid best and you know, when the eyes start going and there you've lost them. Right. Right. So it's, you don't want to go in with one of these conversations with an agenda, Mm -hmm. because if you have an agenda for this conversation, that might be, might not be what your kid needs to hear Mm -hmm. or already knows that information. So a lot of times if you go in with open ended questions, so you know what they already know, or what maybe what they know is not correct, 
then you're going to go in with that lens for the conversation. But I think some parents go in with, yep, I'm going to have this talk. I'm going to sit down with them. This is what I'm going to do. And then gets derailed. (laughs) Yeah. I think that the last uh, question I have for you, Dr. Trish, is I guess like just how we can feel more empowered or confident in some of these conversations that maybe we're coming from a generation that didn't have these kind of conversations with us. Um, the education system has probably been lacking back then. I think it still is in this realm. Um, and so how can we feel confident to have some of these important conversations when maybe we were never given that framework to begin with? You can always outsource these conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, if you cannot do it, find another parent that can, an aunt, a grandmother. Uh, it takes a village to raise our kids. Um, and so you can always outsource it. You can outsource it to girlology. We're here if you need us for anything. Um, I think that's really, really important because I think only 39 states require some sort of sex education and only 17 of those are required to be medically accurate. So please, please don't count on your, it's, it's insane. insane. Don't count on your school to do this education. Um, because I think if our kids really understand what's ahead and the changes, there's enough mental health crisis issues out there. It shouldn't be about our changing body and puberty. Our kids should be informed and know what's normal so they can face that and deal with all the other stressors Mm -hmm. that they have these days. Mm -hmm. This should not be one of them. So practice, find other moms to talk about with outsource it. Um, But your kid deserves to know the the social, physical, and emotional changes with puberty. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, my kid is coming to me at an age that I wasn't ready for, like I was when my five-year-old came to me, like where do babies come from? It's okay to say like, hey, give me a minute (laughs) and Mm -hmm. go and do the quick Google search. Go and look on Girlology's page and figure out, you know, how you best want to answer some of those questions. It's okay to say, hey, I don't have all the answers right now, right? Um, I and think go that, look them up together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, like, learning alongside of our children is a beautiful opportunity for connection. Absolutely. So definitely don't feel ashamed of not knowing all the answers all the time. That's not your job. Um, Dr. Trish, thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation. I know that this conversation could probably be – a whole another hour. Um, there's so much to do with puberty and our kiddos and some of these conversations, which is why you have such amazing resources. Can you tell my listeners where they can go find you and where they can get access to all the resources that you guys offer? Sure. Uh, we have an app and a website, Girlology, G-I-R-L-O-L-O-G-Y. We do focus on um, people that are born female at birth just because there are a lot of healthcare gaps with women. Mm-hmm. And so we're just trying to decrease those health gaps by starting the education early with girls. Um, so we'd love for you to head on over. Um, Abby, I don't know if you were going to do a free subscription we can offer. Sure. We can definitely do that. And then uh, it's also seven day free trial. Check us out. If you don't like us, get rid of us. But if we can help you in any way, um, we would love to help you on this journey. Perfect. All the information for all of that will be in the description of this podcast. So make sure that you go check that out. Dr. Trish, thank you again for this lovely conversation. So important. And thank you for helping me support you, the mother. Thank you. Thank you.